Hello and welcome to The Soprano Show. I'm Gavin Bowen. And I'm Hannibal Diaz. And today we'll be looking at Season 1, Episode 10 of The Sopranos, titled A Hit is a Hit. This episode aired March 14th, 1999. It was written by Joe Basso and Frank Renzulli and directed by Matthew Penn. Here's the HBO synopsis for this episode. Christopher and Adriana cut a deal with a famous gangsta rapper who claims that Hesh pocketed royalties belonging to a cousin who recorded several hit songs decades ago. Meanwhile, Tony plays golf with Cusimano and his white bread friends. Well, so? Worst episode ever. <laughs> yeah. Not, um... Not my favorite either. I don't literally mean worst episode ever, but it's certainly the worst episode of season one. It's kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've been so complimentary of the series up to this point, justifiably. We yeah. love this series, which is why we're doing this in the first place. But yeah, yeah we both agreed uh, this episode did not do it for us. Yeah, I wasn't overall thrilled with this episode. I felt there were some shining moments. It's mm -hmm. definitely got some great comedic bits. Sure. Uh, but not... Well, let's start with the beginning. Sure. As we always do. Because the beginning leads you to believe, well, this might be a really good episode. Right. This yeah. might be an awesome episode. I know exactly what you mean. Because we open up in New York City with Polly, Big Pussy, and Christopher playing as refrigerator delivery guys. Yeah, movers. Right. Yeah, delivery guys, exactly. And they are just there to take out a guy who's a drug dealer mm -hmm. or part of a, a drug dealing group uh, association. And Polly kills him. Yeah. Leaves a message. A very violent... I mean, we see like... It's graphic. Yeah, it is graphic. It's more graphic, I think, than we've seen really so Absolutely. far. yeah. And they score a big wad of cash. Like exactly. Just a, a mountain. Yeah, yeah. So right off the bat, you're like, this is... This is, oh, this is going to be good. We're getting into it. Yeah, yeah. This is what the mafia looks like. Right. Bullets not, to the head, yeah. mountains of cash. Let's go. But that's really not what we get. That's the last bit of violence that you see in this entire rather flat, slow episode. I had such a hard time. It's the first episode that I had a hard time watching it in one sitting. Mm -hmm. I like kept pausing, getting up, making food. <laughs> <laughs> you know i'd come back yeah. i'd read something on the internet like it was just hard for me to get through this one for mm. some reason no i i mean yeah i agree the scene that follows mm -hmm. is with kusamano so we we finally meet this dr kusamano we, yes we haven't seen bruce kusamano yet yeah we and, just heard of him yeah and so now we get robert lupon mm -hmm. i guess that's how you'll pronounce well that's how we'll pronounce his yeah. name lupon all right and he's playing Bruce Cusimano, the next door neighbor who referred Tony to Dr. Melfi. Right. Does a good job. Uh, I, I, you know, there, there are good moments in this episode. And I think these white bread Italian, mm -hmm. but white bread characters yeah. are really spot on. Yeah. They, they perform really well in yes. this episode. And they make you, at least for me, they make me right. hate them so much. Yeah, they're definitely like a broad caricature. Even though they're Italian-Americans, they're definitely like uh, wasps right. in the extreme. Mm -hmm. And it's it's kind of over the top, but it's really funny. And yes, you absolutely detest them. Mm -hmm. They're so annoying. They are. 
this opening scene with Kusumano is just Tony's way of acknowledging him and thanking him for referring Dr. Melfi. Mm-hmm. But we get this point made that uh, maybe him and Tony should start hanging out a little bit more and go to the country club yes. together. And you get a very uh, strong the, the dichotomy of the two types of people. And I think you brought this up in a previous episode, how the Sopranos see themselves, at least the Sopranos crew, see themselves as an ethnic group. Mm-hmm. And Kusumano is not part of that. They're yeah. Italian, but they're not part of that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Tony's words, not mine. Tony quoting his father. That's what my old man would have called the Wonder Bread Wop. You know, he eats his Sunday gravy out of a jar. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, you understand what that means. Mm-hmm. I noticed too, at least in this, because we see Kusumano in several ep- episodes later. But, and, and, and in this episode... He kind of is using a dialect mm-hmm. and a little bit of uh, slang to his language when he's yeah, talking sure. with Tony. Yeah, you know, and and his wife points out, you know, fifteen minutes with Tony Soprano and it's yeah. fucking this and fucking that. Right. And he uses it in this first scene of like getting these cigars and, and it must be yeah. hard to come by. Blah blah blah. I thought it would be really good because at that moment Polly calls, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uses this very cliche. Sort of cryptic language. Right. Juan Valdez has been separated from his donkey. Yeah. It's too bad that wasn't on speakerphone. Because <laughs> know, really. that would have added yeah. just so much more to Kusumano being like, because already Kusumano's like, mm-hmm. oh, what's that call about? That must have been a call about something, right? Yeah. Because Tony's being a little quiet about how he's responding. The way he's reacting, I mean, he, he sounds, Tony sounds like he's reacting to exactly the sort of information he's reacting <laughs> yeah. to which is like someone's calling him and telling him oh we just took a guy out yeah yeah, it's yeah. really great yeah so uh yeah this is tony's plot the bigger kind of chunk to this episode is mm-hmm. christopher and adriana yeah and chris thing. yes yeah yeah they are the primary plot in this episode chris ventures into the music business at the... as opposed to the film business right but at the request of Adriana. Eight. But let's jump into uh, Christopher and Adriana. Yeah. Uh, the first scene is with them. They're in the city. Mm-hmm. Right off the bat, I think Christopher's line. Fucking Broadway musicals. I mean, we're supposed to get all fucking weepy-eyed because they turn off the heat in some guy's loft. As somebody who has, you know, seen musicals and mm-hmm. Rent and... That's a really funny comment. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely. Really, that's really yeah. funny. Especially when you remember how big Rent was back yeah. then. Yeah. How, you know, I guess now Hamilton would be the obvious equivalent. Right. But back then it was Rent. Yeah. Didn't like Hamilton. You didn't like Hamilton? I didn't. Oh, We don't okay. have to get into it. I don't know it. anything about Hamilton oh, other okay. than... It's about Alexander Hamilton? I, I guess I knew that. Okay. And I know that Lin-Manuel Miranda... Who appears yeah. in The Sopranos? He does. By the way, he does. I saw that too. Yes, uh, he is later obviously on. the mastermind behind Hamilton. But yeah, this opening scene—they're in an obviously more popular uh, restaurant for yes. the African American yes. community. They're the yeah. only white people in yeah. there. Yeah, and he's making outlandish comments. Yeah. And derogatory comments. Yeah, he's being a huge asshole. Yeah. For sure. Huge asshole. Yeah. Whose welfare checked you have to cash in here to get some service or whatever. Yeah. He's just, uh, he's out of control. And basically, I mean, it's very clear that he is 
saying stuff that if he wasn't who he was associated with the people he's associated with would result in a pretty quick <laughs> ass beating yes <laughs> right yeah. exactly uh and we also get in the scene adriana's desire to own her own restaurant parallels carmela a little bit right in this episode as well that's sort of a theme here. yes and i thought it was really good uh use of foreshadowing if mm -hmm. anything from this episode you know this is the first time i noticed some obvious foreshadowing where sure. uh chris says cousins always had a brain but what does she use it for referring to carmella and later on in the episode episode she uses that brain exactly yeah, buy some stock yeah and i think that they play into something that is interesting and that is important and very relevant, which is that the world that these characters come from is a very traditional one in which men have a certain mm -hmm. role and women have a certain role. And we're at a time where that's changing. Yeah. And so these women are no longer content to not work, be at home, live off a rich guy mm -hmm. and take care of his kids. So the biggest thing from this uh, scene Mm -hmm. As we're introduced to massive genius. Massive genius, yeah. Bokeem Woodbine, who uh, yeah. is a really good actor who's yeah. been in a lot Pro of really prolific. cool things. Mm -hmm. And like recently, uh, earlier this year, he had a role in the Spider-Man movie, which was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, a couple years ago, he had a great role in season two of Fargo. Mm -hmm. uh, this That's guy true. is great. Uh, this character... He's got a great voice. Yeah. This actor. Yeah. Yeah. Voice. I don't know that he was quite the right guy for this role, though. No. I it's did... just not convincing. Well, I didn't like the character. I didn't yeah. like this whole part mm -hmm. and this whole part with Hesh. Yeah. There are a lot of holes yeah. in this. Sure. And it just didn't really fit. I didn't also like how they were trying to make him sophisticated, mm -hmm. but at the same time, he's wearing the Riddler's hat. Yeah. I had a really hard time just getting past all the hats he uh, wore. Yeah. I mean, you see him without the hat and you see that he's uh, got a shaved head. Mm -hmm. So I guess they just didn't want us to see his shaved head. But yeah, that was definitely really stupid. <laughs> I wish that the costume designer had done a little bit more research into what rappers were wearing at the time. Yeah. It's 1999. No yeah. It's not... yeah. It's not 1980. Nine, you know no. what I mean? Maybe yeah. eighty nine. Uh, yeah. But yeah, his costume in general was stupid, and it sort of just made the character look really bad. Uh, they could have done yeah. a better job with that for sure. Yeah, yeah. So there is a part to this story that, at first, I'm going to ask you if you have an answer to this. Mm -hmm. Why? How does he know that Hesh works with the Tony Soprano crew? Is this right? Public knowledge within this yeah. smaller sphere of kind of illegal activity that Hesh is a well-known guy who's worked with Tony Soprano's father mm -hmm. in the past and now is continuing to work with mm -hmm. Tony Soprano. Is that a known thing? It just the one, the <sighs> yeah. slight mention from the police officer that he's mildly mobbed up with Tony right. Soprano or bunked up with Tony Soprano's crew. Yeah. And that one dude, orange J says, yeah. Oh, Hey, yeah. We know who you are and we know who Hesh is. I and we have an <laughs> offer to make. I think the even bigger problem and that is a problem, but the even bigger one is just that this is a chance encounter. Yeah. Right? You know, Chris just chose to go to this what I have to assume is an uptown chicken place. Yeah. For whatever reason. Right. And 
he happens to bump into Massive Genius, this incredibly successful, rich rapper that's just in the chicken place. Like, <laughs> yeah. it just, I mean, it just doesn't make sense because we make it really clear in the show, or I should say the writers make it very clear that Massive is not an up-and-coming rapper. He's like a king. I mean, he's got right. like a massive estate. Yeah. He is very successful. He's just randomly in the hood, though. <laughs> the hood, which is somewhere near Broadway? Like, what? <laughs> right. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. If you know anything about New York, where is that area? <laughs> I would assume it's uptown somewhere. Right. That means Chris took a train for right. like a half an hour <laughs> to get to this place. <laughs> like, it's... Ah. Okay. Anyway, let's just focus on, on the plot and how it progresses. But yeah, I mean, everything that you mentioned is true. That doesn't really work. But um, I guess the thing is, is when we take uh, Frank Sinatra, for example, uh, there's always been a lot of uh, well-known mythology mm. surrounding Sinatra and his involvement with the mob. Yes. Right. And so maybe it's sort of that thing where it's like, you know, Hesh, he's a producer. Right. It's known that he was maybe tied in with the Italian mafia, et cetera. Yeah, right. And we're picking up off a yeah. earlier episode's exposition mm -hmm. that Hesh made gold records yeah. off of the backs of black right. performers. Right, yeah. Okay, so Massive Genius is now connected with Christopher. Basically, Christopher is pretty contemptuous of him mm. and everything that um, Massive represents and just black urban culture in general. But Massive is like, there's some business to be done. And yeah. Chris, hey, if there's money involved, he'll he'll talk to anyone. Sure. But he is upset later on after they leave and they get in mm -hmm. you know, well into the morning. Mm -hmm. They he he's upset with the distinct the distinctions between being a gangster mm -hmm. and being a gangsta, right? And that there is a difference there, and it's the gangstas are getting more recognition, yeah, and they're out in the open about it, right? And they have to be all quiet, as sure, a gangster, yeah, yeah. And I guess that this ties into one of the original themes, you know, that goes all the way back to the first scene of the pilot, where this there's this idea that things are trending downward, that the mob isn't what it used to be, that being a wise guy isn't what it used to be. It's not as sexy anymore. It's not mm -hmm. as cool anymore. Chris resents that. Mm -hmm. And he resents this guy who is clearly way more wealthy than Christopher is. Yeah. And he's an entertainer, mm -hmm. gangster rapper. And yeah, Chris just doesn't like it. There's one little scene uh, shortly after that of Carmela and Tony mm -hmm. and she's kind of worrying about money mm -hmm. but I picked up just that that one line from it where she says to Tony you know Tony it's a multiple choice thing with you so I can't tell if you are old-fashioned you're paranoid or just a fucking asshole yeah <laughs> that was I great. really like that yeah yeah and Tony has a little smirk um, on his face the whole time and this is the same scene where she's like did you just make a score yeah right and you know she totally can tell that he's in a good mood because he just came into some money and, mm -hmm. and he's yeah. wearing his nice turtleneck right <laughs> or whatever that shirt was under his blazer <laughs> that's so funny I'm gonna have to go back and look at that because for yeah. once I didn't notice an odd wardrobe choice uh, yeah. those usually really jump out at me I didn't notice that one yeah no, it's, it's jumped out at me mm -hmm. yeah uh, so Tony is um, 
also looking forward to this this in this uh golf game with uh Bruce Cusimano and he mentions that kind of at the tag of the scene and I think it's kind of notable that Tony has a little bit of a little bit of pride mm-hmm. you know I mean I think that that's an interesting theme here that he sees that he's being invited into this world that he feels kind of implicitly shuns him mm-hmm. and so he's he's wary but at the same time he's like oh I'm getting a little bit of acceptance here yeah and uh, he's he's sort of looking forward to seeing where that leads. Yeah. So, Adriana, mm-hmm. she wants to be a music manager now. Right. She wants to do what Massive does, and she has a band in mind that she wants to start with, Defiler. Well, they were called Defiler, and right. now they're called Visiting Day. Yes. Yeah. I'm I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yes. Get it right. Get respect uh, yeah. for this group. I think the lyric is. As they're listening to mm-hmm. it, and she's trying to convince Christopher that this is something that she really wants to do. Yeah. Get out of our way and don't be so gay. Yeah. <laughs> Which that's in the actual. I was like, when I listened to it the first time, I was yeah. like, wait a second. Yeah. And then at the end of the episode, they play out that song. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, the, in the first scene, they don't have the subtitles for it. But for mm-hmm. the play out, they have the subtitles. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah, that's exactly what it says. Yeah. And don't be so gay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like the sort of lyrics that... Um... A, a seventh grade band Absolutely. circa yeah. 2000 right. would have written right in their garage <laughs> get out of our way and don't be so gay i will say though that song got stuck in my head oh i'm sorry i know that's painful yeah wow yeah it was really it, it's really bad i i, I mm-hmm. start humming it and Ugh. i'm like Ooh. yeah Ooh. yeah richie terrible in his lyrics yeah terrible. yeah just really really bad it's funny because adriana she reminds me I'm not going to name anyone, mm-hmm. but she does remind me of somebody I know that is always interested in different career ideas mm-hmm. and is always throwing out there like, what if I was doing this? What if yeah. I could do that? I really want to be this. I, wanna, right. I mean, that's what she's doing this entire episode. Yeah. And you know what? Kudos to Chris because he doesn't say, oh, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Or that's not really something you know that you're, you have skills for. Mm-hmm. He encourages her. He really yeah. does support her this entire episode. He's really trying to be a good boyfriend for sure. Uh, so we have the sit down with Massive. Chris facilitates the sit down. Okay. So yeah. here's another thing. Mm-hmm. Chris facilitates a sit down with Hesh. Yeah. Keep in mind, Christopher is not, he's not an official member of the crew yet. He's not a made man. Right. But, he's not a made man. Yeah. And he is establishing a sit down right. with Hesh. And all the other Soprano members Mm -hmm. and Massive Genius. Mm -hmm. How did that happen? How was he able to do that? What was the... How how did he convince Hesh that this was even worth his time? That's a really good point. That's a really good point. Because all Massive is not offering Hesh anything. Anything. No. He's simply saying, I want a shit ton of money from you. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, Massive has a good point. And yes, uh, yes, his family or his family friend, whatever it is, is entitled to this money. Hesh got a lot of royalties back in mm-hmm. the day off of black artists who weren't compensated fairly. Okay, that's all pretty fair. Right. But what is incentivizing Hesh to attend this sit down along with the entire crew? Yeah. It makes no sense it really whatsoever. It doesn't. But 
we get this scene anyway, mm-hmm. regardless. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I didn't like this part of, not that I don't think Hesh deserves to pay up the mm-hmm. royalties, the back royalties that are mm-hmm. owed. Yeah, you're saying Hesh probably should do that. Oh, he should do yeah, that. It's yes. the right thing to do. But what is this doing in an episode of The Sopranos? That's right. what I don't understand. Right. Are, are, is there some sort of underlying level of threat of uh, a massive war between gangstas no. and gangsters? I no. I don't see that coming. See, and this is probably a good point for me to describe why I feel this episode fails. Okay. I think it was during this scene that it finally became pretty clear to me why I don't like this episode. It's because one, the stakes just aren't high in the storylines. Right. That is kind of a mistake that they made. The stakes just aren't that high. It's like, okay, so if this person gets their the thing that they want or don't get it, like what does that really mean? Like what's the impact here? Mm-hmm. You know, Chris and Aid, their kind of track, Tony's track with Kusamano, it's like, okay, these are maybe situations that would organically develop in this world. They're just not moving towards any sort of payoff that means anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So if stuff goes wrong or if stuff falls apart, these characters are pretty much just going to be where they started at mm-hmm. at the beginning, and that's not very dramatically interesting. Absolutely not. Two, there's only three episodes left in the season after this one. That's true. And so this episode, episode 10, feels like it's very much throat clearing, very much filler mm. before we get into the intense arc Right. That's going to close out the season. It did feel like a throat clearing, as you said. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's filler. So, I mean, we don't even have yeah. Junior in this episode. No and Olivia. previously, yeah. he just revealed to Mikey Palmisi mm-hmm. that Tony's seeing a psychiatrist. Right. None of that is brought right. up at all in this episode. Mm-hmm. And yeah, no Livia. I mean, there's, there's the downer of this episode. Absolutely. And in season one, uh, an episode without Junior and without Livia makes it kind of not really feel like the show. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then here's another thing. I guess a third aspect as to why this episode doesn't really work for me is that what I realized is that I really want to see Tony and the rest of his guys interact with each other. You mm. know, I really want to see Tony interacting with his with his two families. Yeah. And dealing with the issues, you know, uh, I guess there's sort of a theme in this episode, if you want to call it that, of Tony and Chris, they're kind of venturing outside of their worlds. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? And ultimately, they see why they need to go back to the worlds that they are from and why that's, you know, the right thing for them to do and what's yeah. comfortable for them. Uh Unfortunately, it's just not that interesting not to watch them kind of go into these other worlds, you know? Yeah. You that's make- not what we come to this show for. No, you you make really good points. From that scene, we get a really cool scene because we get Melfi out of the mm-hmm. office. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Uh, able to venture out of mm-hmm. her office with, at the Cusamanos having dinner there. Right. So she's very close now. She's right next Tony. door to Tony. She's right yeah. next door. Uh, what did you think about this scene? Well, I thought that this scene was a really nice showcase again of how Melfi is in different contexts and uh, they always really emphasize I feel like on this show when we see Melfi outside of the office they really make sure that she's dressed differently than we see her in the office mm-hmm. her makeup's completely different she's got her contacts in yeah you know uh, so she it's kind of like a Clark Kent Superman sort of thing yeah 
and uh, she's at dinner with the Cusamanos, and uh, we get more annoying Italian but waspy chit chat. You yeah, know, the American. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, of course, eventually, she feels compelled to kind of stick up for Tony a little bit, which is interesting. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. She's. It seemed almost slightly aroused by like the conversation mm-hmm. of Tony Soprano. Mm-hmm. Like she has obviously this big secret mm-hmm. that she's his shrink. Yeah. And she gets to hear what other people have to say mm-hmm. openly about him, people who live next door to him. Right. And yeah, she she is kind of like really into it. Mm-hmm. But sees where the conversation's kind of headed. Yeah. That there is and it's such a petty little thing about the type of glass bar they have yeah yeah they just look down on um they're basically saying they're basically saying that tony is uh tacky and and uh yeah melfi kind of feels a type of way about that she has the defense of tackiness and then we get a funny scene where she excuses herself Mm -hmm. and goes into kusamano's rich ass bathroom he's got a toilet and And a a bidet bidet. uh she steps upon the bidet and kind of spies over on uh, Tony's house, mm-hmm. and here's like a Frankenstein sort of style groan. Right. Just a weird sort of, I don't know, the, the comedy here didn't quite work for me. No. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a little goofy. It's a little goofy. Um, well, let's go back to something that's not goofy at all. Chris, Aid, and Massive listening to Richie's band visiting day. This scene was way too long. <laughs> this scene was way too long. We get mm-hmm. it right from the beginning. Yeah. We get the sound of Defiler, now known as whatever, Visiting Day. Visiting Day. Yeah. We get it. Massive's into eight. Mm-hmm. We didn't need to hear the whole goddamn song and that no one likes it in this bar. Right. I'm sorry. Yeah. They suck. Yeah. And the, the episode, I mean, if we tallied it up, mm-hmm. too many minutes are dedicated to listening mm-hmm. to this music. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe one of the crew members or one of the writers, this was like their real music. They wanted to like right. showcase a little backdoor demo tape is uh, this episode. I don't know. Yeah, uh, the scene's not that great. Like we said, like you said, we get it. We get it. We get it. Massive is only there because he wants to try and get with aid. Massive has a massive heart on. Yes, for aid. For aid. And visiting day really sucks. sucks. <laughs> yeah. And uh, in case we didn't get this, you know, Chris says, are you interested? And Massive is like, yeah. Then we get a slow pan over to him staring at Adriana. Right. It's like, yes, we get it. You're trying to get in AIDS pants. And that's the only reason that you're talking to these people who you don't care about at all. This music that means absolutely nothing to you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we get it. Except for the next part where they're mm-hmm. later in the bedroom. Yeah, there's Chris this, and Aid. Chris and Aid. There is this funny bit where she's, he's like, mm-hmm. I don't understand, you know. Guy lives with his parents. And she says... It's because of the accident. But she had third-degree burns from trying to grill that trap with a downed power line. At the same time, being electrocuted turned his life around. What? <laughs> <So> <laughs> this guy's a fucking idiot. Yeah, he's just like... A parody. He's of, like backwoods, yeah. dumbass. He's a loser. Yeah. In the most extreme way. He's he's a very big loser. Oh, one other little thing that I just wanted to throw in there mm-hmm. is that uh, the two guys in the band that are named, Richie, 
obviously and veto and veto names that will be reused in this series they will be good point i don't know if we need to delve deep into the first uh melfi yeah i mean we we did talk about you know he's he's bringing up the fact that he doesn't Mm -hmm. know if he can go out and and socialize Mm -hmm. being he's airing out all the differences between what he thinks of him and his family and and the kusamanos right and the the little thing here though is that she tells him i was in your area she yeah she discloses that yeah but i guess she, she feels that that's ethical <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's like oh this is fine right I'll, I'll tell my patient that i was so close to his house yeah yeah this is ethical i mean it's it's like i guess she feels weird about there's no reason really for her right why would she feel guilty about it yeah like she like oh it's bad if i don't tell tony this thing and then right at the end right he he kind of picks up on that too Mm -hmm. about how weird that is yeah as they're leaving he says you saw my house Mm -hmm. and then he gives that little like uh, yeah gives her a big look yeah, and then I thought that it didn't really make sense that Melfi would be like, yeah, so when I was, like, next door to you last night, did you hear any, like, crazy, weird noises? Right. Like, why would she ever say that? Right. Like, a man screaming in pain? It just doesn't feel like that is a thing that makes sense to say, especially to a guy that you know is a mob boss. Right. I, I feel like as we're dissecting and recapping mm-hmm. this episode, we're going to loathe it more yeah. and more. Yeah. <laughs> uh right uh but i mean i guess okay so the only thing i want to say about that therapy scene is that tony spells out the very obvious right yeah. you address this but it it's important you know that we all understand what's going to um be carried into the golf scene that we get later in the episode mm-hmm. which is just tony feels self-conscious about hanging with these kind of just generic white guys Mm -hmm. he sort of judges them and he definitely knows that they're going to be judging him so oh they're they they are dickless assholes though (laughs) right they really are yeah the barbecue scene yeah no it's yeah it's the worst oh but i think one thing that's sort of key and and sort of cool in a way is that tony is like yeah i was raised to think that these kind of guys these kind of just white dudes bland Mm -hmm. white men are really boring um but you know my world too is boring in its own way yeah right because he references like how many times can we can me and my guys have the same conversation about boxing you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so yeah but in this barbecue scene he's trying his best to be Mm -hmm. a polite guest and Mm -hmm. bring up normal conversations Mm -hmm. even if he maybe is trying to get insider you know trading on stocks that's all he's trying to do mm-hmm. and the guys are like no 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 we, we, we're not going to talk about this and that's mm-hmm. all the ladies can do the women yeah. all they can talk about is stocks yeah and we get that ugh, annoying line of we don't play we win yeah uh yeah uh i just obnoxious ugh. uh this uh yeah white bread convention it's yeah. just it's painful but we do get, we do get that doo-wop song mm-hmm. of jimmy willis yeah and jimmy. and we get a scene of hesh looking around and like contemplating his past yeah. and all of this we get from that scene and that really nice doo-wop music mm-hmm. 
straight into Defiler. Like we're smacked <laughs> right in the face yeah. with that terrible music That's in the studio point. session scene. How times have changed. I will say this studio scene, though, has some of the best lines. Well, it's the best scene of the episode, I would say. Yes. Okay, yeah. good. Good. I, I, I think so. And I think the the straight man sound mixer probably mm-hmm. steals this yeah. episode or this scene for me. Yeah. Uh, he's really he's really good. Um, just going down, like, mm-hmm. I mean, okay, so this scene, nothing's going well. Aid is terrible at her job. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know when to, like, enough is enough. They're on, like, take 62. Right. It's time to pack up. And Christopher's like, pissed about it you of can't course. pack up yeah but he wants him to do coke he wants him to like shoot up yeah get going yeah recharge there's so many good lines from right this scene where the guy richie is like look kinko's gave me five days off it's not the end of the world kinko's kinko's <laughs> yeah <laughs> just to emphasize how pitiful Richie is 30, <laughs> living with his parents, living with his mom or whatever. Yeah. Works at Kinko's. They gave him a limited amount of time off. Yeah. Uh, and also, Richie is just sort of like a whiny baby. Yes. He's really, really annoying. Yeah. But for all the dynamic excitement in these songs, maybe we should get another down power line in here let you suck on. Yeah, I love it. Very insensitive line, but uh, amazing. Chris is great in this scene. Yeah. But the uh, yeah, the sound mixer guy. When when Richie says that the, mm-hmm. it was all mic'd wrong. The problem, Christopher, is that the bass and the drum tracks were mic'd wrong from the fucking beginning. Oh hey, king of rock, you're out of your depth. Yeah, 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 yeah. This poor guy, he just wants to bag it. He doesn't want to listen to this <laughs> shitty band anymore. Uh, but then yeah, you know, he finally is driven to basically explain to Richie why he sucks. Yes. Which is that his music has no structure whatsoever. And mm-hmm. then of course our guy, uh uh the producer, you know, he cites the Beatles, he's like, you know, you gotta do this, and then Richie is like, Fuck the Beatles. <laughs> yeah. That was forty years ago. Yeah, I mean Christopher's like Yeah. What is he, nuts? Right. Like, even Christopher understands, like, this guy yeah. at this point. He's so over it. He's just really over it. You know, Chris, I mean, it's funny because, yeah, Chris tried to do this the right way. Mm-hmm. Uh, he tried to be supportive. He tried to handle this in a fairly straight and traditional way. But, you know, that can only go so far. Mm-hmm. And he has to resort to gangsterism, yes. picks up a guitar, smashes it over Richie's back. <laughs> And I, you know, in an episode that has few standout moments that are positive, uh, I wanted to applaud <laughs> when he broke that guitar over that <laughs> douchebag. Yeah. A little scene, a tiny scene of Carmela mm-hmm. uh, placing bets on stock market mm-hmm. and kind of getting caught mm-hmm. by Meadow as if she was doing something illegal right? that she couldn't do. Yeah. And just how she's trying to make excuses and says ah fuck it if you keep your mouth shut i'll pamper you right yeah yeah no that that's a good point yeah i mean it's just so sad that uh you know a housewife who wants to maybe do a little bit Mm -hmm. something on her own for herself uh business wise you know it's like this crime it's like this dirty secret yeah you know it's like (laughs) it's like she's uh having she's exchanging you know flirtatious texts or something yeah with some guy she's not married to it's just really funny how this is such a big deal and then there's our meadow scene for this episode hooray hooray 
there she is. Yeah. And onto the golf scene. Yeah, onto the golf scene. Do you know who W.C. Fields was? Or oh, sure. I mean, I can picture him, mm. right? I've never, you know, I know that he's from a million years ago and rotund. Really yeah. Yeah, comedian. I didn't know much about him, I'll be honest. Yeah, I don't know uh, anything about him. I didn't at all. Yeah. And they make that comment, like, I guess he's quoting him. I looked mm-hmm. for the quotes. There are a mm-hmm. couple, uh, um, like, short v- movies that he did about golfing, like being a golf pro. And it's, mm-hmm. it's just comedy. It's, mm-hmm. you know slapstick goofy comedy yeah but if you get a chance yeah and this is for the listeners too. look up just on youtube like a wc fields just mashup of videos the man was hilarious oh there's some really really funny stuff wow that stuff has stood the test of time it has okay it is really good all right uh wasn't expecting that oh yeah yeah a little wc fields plug there you go. He's been in the ground for like <laughs> centuries. <Over> 70 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But hey, he's still, you know, still got it. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, right. How uncomfortable is Tony in this scene? Yeah, he's really uncomfortable. And, you know, you can see that he's he's hurt and self-conscious. I mean, this is everything that he was worried about. Um, and it's happening exactly the way that he thought it would, where all, they, all these jerks want to do is be obnoxious about mm-hmm. his uh you know uh perceived mob ties and talk to him about the godfather and just mm-hmm. treat him like he's an animal in the zoo and you know tony tried and it seems yeah it, it seems like kusamano is kind of worried that his buddies are pushing it too far oh for sure yeah but then later on asks about john Gotti. And is right. really into it. Yeah. Seems like he really just doesn't give a shit either. Yeah. Yeah. No, these guys are just assholes. Yeah. They're totally oblivious to uh, the fact that maybe this is just not... Appropriate? Yes. And the interesting thing about it, too, is that... Because I've been in situations like this, for sure. I'm sure we all have. Where this sort of dynamic is at play. Mm-hmm. Where you don't like what's going on. Or you don't like what's being said. Or you don't like how the people around you are behaving. Or even just one person in particular. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason. You feel like you can't vent your frustration. You know. Because right. we know who Tony is. Like he wouldn't sort of tolerate being um, irritated in this way. He might by other people kill you. Right. Yeah. He <laughs> might literally kill you but you know tony knows that these guys are ultimate civilians neighbors you know all of that he's on a country club golf course he can't yeah so he's got to keep it respectable you know Mm. if he was on the golf course with uh, certain other people you know yeah things would get physical physical or he'd just be like shut the fuck up you know he would get angry and he knows that he can't do that anyway my point is I related to that because that is a mm-hmm. frustrating feeling when you're like, because of the venue, because of the company that I'm in, yeah. I can't be honest about how I feel. Yeah. No, I felt uncomfortable the entire mm-hmm. scene. Felt boxed in. Also, I mean, I must say, and this is just kind of a funny thing, maybe Tony uh, should just sort of lay off the golfing for a while because he's gotten his feelings hurt. <laughs> Every time he goes golfing in season one, <laughs> someone True. hurts his feelings and makes him feel bad. <laughs> it's the best place to catch Tony right. Soprano feeling most vulnerable. Literally in back-to-back episodes. Yeah. Tony goes to the golf course and then he like wants to cry afterwards. <laughs> don't go golfing, Tony. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Don't do it to yourself. So we already know by now 
that Massive is into aid. Mm-hmm. Chris figures it out mm-hmm. as well as she's dancing in a sheer dress in front of them. Yes. <laughs> uh, but he plays this stupid cat song. Another brilliant song from Defiler yeah. Visiting Day. And plays it for Hesh. Yeah. And we get him saying a hit is a hit. Right. This is not a hit. And he knows music. Mm-hmm. No, it's just funny. I mean, Chris is like, maybe it's not your era. No offense. <laughs> I think that Chris is, has really just put it together, this incredibly obvious thing, like you said. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's funny that Massive is supporting it, right? Right. I mean, what is it that Massive doesn't know what he's talking about? Because Hesh is, is shitting all over the demo. Yeah, it, it is almost yeah. like... Um... Christopher needs this as just like the final exactly. Shot. Like, okay, what does Hesh think? Right. Yeah, it is shit. Okay, I'm not crazy. Right. It's shit. Massive just likes aid. Exactly. Great. Yeah, and that's the takeaway from that scene. And then Hesh. I mean, even though he's an established, uh, you know, I guess probably you could say maybe legendary producer in yeah. in the fictional world of this series. Uh, you know, it doesn't take a legend, a legendary producer, to be able to tell that Visiting Day is going absolutely nowhere. Yeah. Jerry Adler plays Hash. Yeah. Does a really good job, mm-hmm. I think, in this scene mm-hmm. of like his reaction to the song and when Chris is mm-hmm. taking the demo out and walking up to him to get his opinion. Mm-hmm. Just like the little details of him like pushing his notepad around and kind of yeah. just looking like, oh boy, this is bad. Yeah. How do I say this politely? Right. It sucks. I mean, at least he's it's direct. Yeah. And and that's the end of that. You know, Chris finally just is like, okay, yeah, everything. Yeah. Everything that I thought is going on, you know, is, is totally going on. And, mm-hmm. and that's the end of that. One important scene from this episode, the second Melfi mm-hmm. uh, appointment, there is something that's brought up here. We get this story from Tony about his childhood, this childhood kid named Jimmy Smack who... Jimmy Smash, yeah. Smash, who was... Uh, who had a cleft palate, so he talked, he had a mm-hmm. speech impediment, and the boys would rag on him and always bring him around just because he sounded funny. Yeah. And he makes this lovely comparison between himself and Jimmy Sh- Smash. Yeah. But he actually has empathy. Right. Which is a strong human emotion mm-hmm. for Tony Soprano to have that mm-hmm. I think this is probably one of those rare episodes where Tony Soprano actually has feelings for humankind. Yeah. Right? Yeah. At least for Jimmy Smash. Right. And he felt actual heartfelt, like, sorrow. Yeah. For what he did. Right. And when I found out, you know, I I felt bad. It's genuine. And it's just, yeah, kind mm-hmm. of unusual. Because this is the dilemma, right? This mm-hmm. is Melfi's dilemma. Is mm-hmm. this guy human or not? Do I try to treat him? Well, here's a clear sign that he has some kind of humanity in him. Oh, for sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he definitely does, and that's... It's not because it's a bad episode, right? Right. <laughs> it's not because we're getting, like, not great writing. I don't know. I mean, actually, that did cross my mind, because I highlighted this monologue of Tony's, which mm. I was like, oh, this is, like, pretty emotional and affecting and that kind of thing of, like, yeah, he Jimmy Smash was... You know, we would make fun of him all day in a good-natured way, but then I found out he would cry every night because of the way that we were making fun of him, and I didn't know how he felt until I was playing golf with those guys. Right. And you're like, wow, that's like really sensitive, intense, emotional pain 
that Tony is both relating to and just sort of feeling himself. Like it really, uh, it's kind of, it it did affect me for sure. But I never really understood what he felt to be used, you know, for somebody else's amusement, like a fucking dancing bear till I played golf with those guys. And then of course though, and I think this is an example of awesome writing after that whole super emotional monologue, you know, when Melfi asks whatever happened to Jimmy Smash, you know, you think like, oh, like Tony's either not going to know what happened to him or it's going to be some sort of tragic thing. No, Jimmy Smash just got busted for robbery and then went to jail for 20 years. Because they knew exactly who it was. Right. And then Tony, after all that empathy that he demonstrated, is like, yeah, it wasn't too hard to find him. And then he does like an imitation of Jimmy Smash's voice. Yeah. We get the button on the Hesh Massive dealio. Uh, and yeah, yeah you, I wrote boring. I'm bored. Because I, I, don't, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Either they're going to go to war, literal war, mm-hmm. and fight over this. Or this isn't a big deal. And we all know it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. So why is... Yeah, I mean, all I can say is this scene perfectly encapsulates what I voiced earlier as the central problem of this episode. Mm -hmm. No stakes. All right, so we get the resolution of this storyline. The resolution is Hesh saying, look, I'm not going to pay. Massive (laughs) saying, fine, I'll take you to court. Hesh says, fine. End of scene. But do we, yeah, but do we know why Hesh? Because we see -hmm. see Hesh listening to the music and looking around at all of his albums and pictures, and it seems like, ooh, maybe he is having... Uh, you mm-hmm. know, a conscience here, and he wants to pay back what mm-hmm. he owes, and then he just doesn't. Right? There's no explanation. He just doesn't. He's just like, look, no. And if you try to sue me, guess what? I got to counter sue on you. Right. And then Massive is just like, yeah, I'll see you in court at the end. Right. Like, it's it's so anticlimactic. Not like well, I was expecting, you know, the bullets to start flying or anything, mm-hmm. but it was still just like, wow. This storyline really went absolutely nowhere. But maybe that's to Polly's right point at the yeah. end when he's complaining about these gangsters nowadays. Right. What kind of Moulinians are these? They call themselves gangsters. It's a new fucking day. Fucking depressing. Yeah. You know, and he's ripping off a bulletproof vest. <laughs> he's, 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 maybe he yeah. is just kind of making a point of like, right. that's all it came down to? What a bunch of pussies. Like, yeah. Really? yeah 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 i mean it's just yeah i guess that's just that's that's part of that thing where it's like yeah this this thing is not what it used to be you know Mm -hmm. before it was war and pull out the guns and now it's i'll see you in court yeah and yeah we the audience members are like yep that's a pretty boring outcome (laughs) thanks (laughs) earlier i was saying about how chris has been right Mm -hmm. this whole time you Mm -hmm. know and he's been a very supportive boyfriend Mm -hmm. so the last scene between him and aid where he confronts her about it and says Mm -hmm. massive just wants to get in your pants he's absolutely right on every front and it's totally unfortunate that she had to you know throw such hatred towards him that he's not trying to support her this whole fucking episode he's supporting all your ideas yeah, Chris finally pops AIDS balloon, and she doesn't take very kindly to it. And yeah, unfortunately, I, I see AIDS' point of view 
how, you know, of course it would be very insulting to tell a woman who is getting involved in business, like, oh, the only reason why you appear to be taken seriously in the business you're conducting mm -hmm. is because the guy that you're trying to work with wants to sleep with you. That is objectively an insulting thing to say to a woman. And so she's hurt by that and she feels diminished by it. The only problem is Chris isn't wrong. Right. He's not wrong. <laughs> the, the episode takes great pains to <laughs> yeah. hit that nail on the head again and again and again. It really does. That massive only wants one thing. And yeah, Aid is in denial and that is sad for Aid. Also, the music is really bad. And that's sad for A that she's just in denial about that. And yeah. so, you know, I, I do have sympathy and or empathy or sympathy and empathy for what Aid is going through. Mm -hmm. But she just needs to sort of redirect that in a more uh, productive, emotionally aware direction. Is she leaving in just barely any lingerie and a coat at the end? Again, you know, I'm the wardrobe guy and I like to pay attention to what they're wearing. I didn't notice that, but she's if that's just, true. She's yeah. just in bra and panties. Oh, and okay. she's like, I can't stay here. Yeah. Throws on a coat. Yeah. And leaves. And storms out. I don't know if you, mm -hmm. you remember this. There's an outside shot of where mm -hmm. Christopher's apartment is. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's not in the best part right. of New Jersey. Right. She's just going to walk out right. in a coat and lingerie. Okay. Okay, Chris. Yeah, just let her go. Just let her go like that. He can yeah. at least stop and say, okay, you can leave. I know you're upset, but please take a moment. Put on some sweatpants. Something. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, she just doesn't care. She's upset. She doesn't care what state of dress she's in. Yeah. All and right. uh, Chris is is sad. I mean, I think that, you know, one thing Chris maybe could have done differently. Oh, if yeah, if we can critique and maybe give yeah. him some advice. Uh, You know, when she says, you don't think I have talent... You know, he could have said something <laughs> yeah, instead of absolutely true. nothing. <laughs> didn't say anything. I mean, I, honestly, like what he should have said, because this is true. I mean, it's like, no, I don't think that you're not talented. It's just you're wrong about this one. Right. You know, you're just wrong about this whole situation. Yeah. He doesn't do that. She storms out. Right. Again, Chris is mostly right here, but mm -hmm. I mean, he, he could have done that one thing. He does say, I love you with a lot of conviction, yeah. which Aid does not accept. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of the button on Chris and Aid for this episode. We kind of have a button on the, the whole episode with uh, Tony and Kusumano. Mm -hmm. Kuz. Yeah. That's a funny last <laughs> Just yeah. his joke that he wants to play on Kusumano right. is yeah. pretty good. Yeah, complete with a little uh, Marlon Brando voice <laughs> that he does. Uh, and I guess this is a reference to Godfather Part 2. Mm. Um, this is how Vito first kind of gets roped in. Oh. Um, when he's in Little Italy in the, uh, you know, turn of the century or whatever it is, Clemenza, young Clemenza, yeah. tosses over a bunch of um, weapons in a sack to young Vito. Mm. And basically the implication is don't look in the sack, just hold on to this, and I'll come get it whenever. Right. And that's kind of what sets Vito on the path to uh, getting involved with the mob and then ultimately... Uh, you know, becoming the godfather. Uh, whatever. Anyway, so that's what has inspired Tony to kind of play this trick on Kusumano. It's a good trick. And give him a box of sand. Yeah. There actually is one other little scene mm -hmm. that I have to mention mm -hmm. because this probably puts a cap on why we don't like this episode so much. Mm -hmm. And it's Christopher at the Bing mm 
listening to a different artist, mm -hmm. uh, a sad song, mm -hmm. and Hesh is showing up at the Bing. Just pops in. To grab some paperwork, some office files, and, yeah. and then has to point out, now this is a hit? What Forced. a pointless scene. Yeah, I There's mean. There's no, absolutely no need for this scene. This may be a reach, but the only thing that I can think of is that there is a light theme in this episode. Mm. I mentioned this before of Chris and Tony, you know, trying to step out of their comfort zones and then getting rebuffed by the world that lies outside of their comfort zones. And so okay. when we get that scene with Chris earlier where he's complaining about how like, yeah, the mob isn't what it used to be. And then we get that little bit of Tony saying like, yeah, talking with my guys can be just as boring as talking with white bread guys. You know, we get Chris sitting alone in the bing where he's like, nope, I got to be back here in my world. This is where I belong. Mm. And this is where I'm supposed to be. I don't know if I'm overanalyzing it and trying well, no, to justify I... a lame scene, <laughs> but that was kind of how I looked at it. Well, I appreciate you doing this podcast with me because I would have just said, lame scene, right. next. <laughs> so at least you brought a little bit of context to what otherwise, in my opinion, was yeah. a pointless scene. I, you know, I, I try. I try. Again, maybe I'm just grasping because, you know, I want to try and find something positive in every episode, even if I don't love the episode. I know. I know. Before we end today's episode, we did want to mention that a Sopranos cast member has passed away uh, this week. She played uh, Nucci Polly Walnuts' mother, Nucci, right. and her name was Frances Esemplare, and she's great. She's coming up later, obviously, in the series, right? Uh, but she's definitely a really great uh, actress in this role, and we wanted to mention her. Yeah. And we'll definitely mention her when she comes up in the series. Yeah, I think it's important to acknowledge when we lose a member of the Sopranos family. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, she had a great role. We won't really be talking about her for a while because she doesn't come into the show for a while. But right. uh, yeah, just wanted to mention that and uh, great character. Well, that does it for this episode of The Soprano Show. I'm Gavin Bowen. And I'm Hannibal Diaz. And if you're enjoying the show, there are many ways to support it. We're on social media at The Soprano Show, but you can obviously leave a review and a comment on iTunes or our website or anywhere else that we are. And uh, we've heard from a lot of you, and we're glad you're enjoying the show. Uh, it really means a, a lot to us that you're reaching out and um, enjoying it so much. So as we do with every episode, favorite lines from this episode, I don't mind starting. Go ahead. Well, it, it is that one scene that we mentioned that probably is the best, the studio mm -hmm. scene. Mm -hmm. One of the lines that Richie has to the uh, studio guy is, Look, let me tell you something, dude. Thank you. But I've recorded in Denmark. <laughs> <laughs> and you see Christopher in the background? He's fucking losing it. He's like, yeah. what the fuck is this guy? He's livid. He just wants to pull his gun out right there and blow his head off. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, that in is good. Denmark. Yeah, Richie, awful. Uh, my favorite line is, uh, you know, I guess it would have to be, I just thought it was funny when Massive mm -hmm. breaks down his opinion on the Godfather trilogy. Oh, yes. Godfather, I've seen that movie 200 times. Godfather 2 was definitely the shit. The third one, a lot of people didn't like it, but I think it was just misunderstood. Do you feel the same way about the third? 
It was misunderstood? Uh, no, I am aligned with 98% of humanity when I say the third sucks. Good. Good.